Today's episode is brought to you by Path 11 TV, inspiring entertainment for the spiritually curious. With a Path 11 TV membership, you get instant access to over 100 hours of exclusive video content that explores consciousness, healing, and life after death. Also with the Path 11 TV membership, you can attend our monthly events and live streams free. In the past few months, we've already had medium readings with Drew Callie and Suzanne Northrup, along with a numerology session with Nicene Siegel and Chinese face readings with Marla Goldberg. Join us for our next event, July 21st, for another gallery reading, this time with medium Mark Schmidt. You can start your Path 11 TV membership for just $9.99 a month, or get two months free by getting an annual membership. Podcast listeners can save even more by using coupon code PODCAST30. This will take 30% off, making your first year only $70. That's only 20 cents a day. Don't hesitate because this offer is only good for a limited time. All membership plans have a seven-day free trial. So start streaming with your membership to Path 11 TV today by visiting path11tv.com and start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with our exclusive library of inspiring entertainment. Now let's get to today's show. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. I am very excited to introduce you to my two guests. So it's always a lot of fun when I have two people on. And we are going to be talking about uh, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences today. If you don't know what the term UAP or the acronym stands for, you're going to learn about that. We're also going to learn about the anomalous prone personality. This is going to be a show packed with really extraordinary experiences. So my two guests today are the co-authors of the book. If you're watching this on Path 11 TV, you'll be able to see the cover of it. It is called Convergence, the Interconnection of Extraordinary Experiences. My guests today are Barbara Mango and Lynn Miller. Ladies, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Hello. Thank you. Yes, I am so excited to talk to you guys. You guys both come with, like I said before we started the show, amazing bios, right? I mean, just the the amount of education between the two of you is phenomenal. Um, your personal experiences together are phenomenal. So I'm so excited that you guys decided to write a book. And uh, we will have all of your credentials in the show notes, but I thought it would be a lot quicker and much more interesting if you guys could give our listeners a little bit more of your background and kind of what brought you into writing this book together. And you both have really uh, personal experiences that I'd love you both to share as well. Um, And then we'll get into some of the really good stuff that you have here in your book. So um, Barbara, why don't we start with you and uh, let's go with a little bit more of your background and how you kind of came to where you are in writing this book, Convergence. My background really, and I want to stress, is that I'm an experiencer above and beyond anything. I had my first experience when I was two years old. By the time I was 13, I had had four of probably some of the most impactful experiences of my life. They shaped who I was. I looked at life and the afterlife uh, differently than most kids. I understood that we're more than our physical body. And I understood that we never die. And so that's kind of a different perspective for a little kid, you know? And, and, and it, so just really quickly, it was really hard for me to navigate that growing up and I couldn't talk about it and I had to stifle it. So going forward, that was sort of the driving force of my life. You know, it, it, I had to compartmentalize it no matter what I did, no matter what job I had, no matter what I was doing. But that 
to me was always the essence and the core of who I was. So I did many jobs. I worked in education, believe it or not, I worked in corporate travel. I did all kinds of things. But in 2007, um, I had a fall, a really bad fall, and I broke part of my back. So I had a period where I was just healing and I couldn't do anything physical. And I was thinking to myself, you know, what can I do? Like, how can I revamp my life? You know, because I think when you're hurt or you're you're in a capacity where you can't be physical, right? You have to draw on something else. And I thought to myself, you know, I've been doing all these other things my whole life, but oh my gosh, wow, maybe this is a chance to go back to quote who I really am. Because I think that's part of my journey really is to remember who I am and why I came into this world, right? So I started looking at programs, um, master's degree programs, PhDs, and I found this incredible program in metaphysics, and it was offered through a theological university, a very progressive theological university. So I spent the next like seven years, <laughs> it took a long time, <laughs> you know, and um, got my PhD. And did a lot of writing, contributed a few books, um, and then became involved where I met Lynn. This is where I met Lynn in the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation, which was investigating the correlation between consciousness and different contact modalities. We were both on the research team. We met, we clicked, and we said to ourselves, gee, here's really hard science that these people are investigating, but most of them are not experiencers or scientists or academics. And some of them have had maybe one or two experiences, but they're still trying to prove it from, you know, that scientific hardcore manner. And we thought, you know, wow, we have sort of the opposite perspective, right? We're scientists, especially Lynn, you know, she is the hard science. We're experiencers, so we can kind of marry those two. And we have more experiences than what is just being talked about. So let's go ahead with that and share it and make more, ours more a personal narrative. And that's sort of how the book came about. Awesome. Great. So Lynn, let's bring you in. Let me hear a little bit more about your background up until you met Barbara and um, some of your experiences yeah. that you've had. Yeah, I was I was a strange little kid growing up. Um, I grew up in Texas, and I um I I I was a nature's kid. You know, I would I would wander off from the house in the desert and looking for horned toad lizards and all kinds of snakes and stuff. I love nature. I also had some really strange dreams about um, the Mayan pyramids and certain types of of the old. Um, the old stuff in Mexico, which made a lot of sense to me at that time because, you know, I grew up on the border of Mexico. And um, so I had all these strange dreams. And in these dreams, um, I was able to move things with my mind and I could speak to other entities and things like that. I never really quite understood really what the, that was about. So I grew up being very interested in the paranormal. I was also very interested in astronomy. I had some telescopes, very interested in extraterrestrials and aliens. So, you know, that's sort of how, you know, I grew up. Of course, you know, as you get older, life happens, you go to school, you get married and things like that. So I sort of veered away from that. Now, in college, I was still very interested in the brain because of the paranormal stuff. So I ended up majoring in uh, psychology and biology. And then, you know, I would have, as I got to be, let's say, you know, in my preteens, I did start having some really strange experiences. And those are probably what I would recognize as the spontaneous out-of-body experiences, the OBEs. And they just sort of felt normal to me. And, you know, you know, I went through my life thinking, okay, well, this is, you know, I, I guess everybody has these. But um, they would be really strange. Like I would be in an apartment and I left my body and I walked down the hall and went to somebody else's apartment. And I remember looking around and I'm thinking, this is so real. So I knew there was something more to this. 
So, um, you know, I did a little, um, see, I, I was in the military for a little while and then I became a military spouse. Then I ended up getting my master's degree in biology. So I, I did some work in my field for a while. I was a microbiologist. Um, I also taught at a couple of colleges. And then later in life, um, in 2001, I had my one and only daughter. And I wanted to look into something a little bit more family friendlier. So I got into public teaching, into um, high school teaching. I was at first teaching science. And then later I became certified in art. So now I'm also, now I'm an art teacher. So it, I'm having a lot of fun. So um, that sort of led up to the point um, about three, four years ago. That's how um, I, um, I was, I ended up going onto Facebook and finding the site about the Edgar Mitchell Foundation. So that's sort of how me and Barbara left. So that's how we kind of got up to the, to the present moment where we are at now. Great. So um, I also want to talk about, I'd like to know from both of you what, because, you know, Barbara, I love the term that you said, like, we are experiencers. Mm -hmm. um, what was one of the most pivotal experiences, extraordinary experiences that both of you have had? Because I know that my listeners are probably like, ask them about that. You know, people love to hear these stories um, because it just begins what I feel. It begins to open up our minds to think, well, maybe that's possible for me to have an experience like this, you know? So Barbara, let's go with you first. And what would you say has been one of your kind of just pivotal, mind-blowing paranormal experiences that you had that just left you wanting more and really wanting to investigate more and have these questions answered? I would say the most pivotal and impactful experiences of my life and the ones I've had the most frequently have been spontaneous past life recall. And the really amazing one happened when I was six years old because I not only had a spontaneous physical healing, I had a spontaneous phobic healing. And to, you know, as adults, we read about that and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But to actually go through it, it was amazing. I'm going to try to really compact the story because it, 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 it happened over two two days, these, this recall. But basically when I was a, a small child, I was six years old in real life. I was in first grade and I had pneumonia. And back then, you know, they might've had better treatments now, but I had been to the pediatrician back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he kept prescribing every antibiotic, every breathing treatment, you know, everything they had back then, but nothing, nothing was working. And I missed 50 days of school. And it was so frustrating for me. And, you know, I was a good student and just to sit at home, it was, oh, I was, I was going crazy. So I remember the principal calling my parents and saying, you know, you can only, a child can only miss 52 days of school. And if they miss any more than that, they're held back. And my parents were freaking out. I started crying. I was like, oh my, oh my God, I can't be held back. You know, that's just a stigma. And I was a good student. So I was just beside myself. So later that evening, I, I got into bed, but I wasn't asleep. You know, I, I wasn't asleep at all. And all of a sudden, just like, boom, I was in a past life. So you know, I didn't question that I was in a past life. I knew I was in a past life because it's, there are so many aspects and these are the aspects that all experiencers talk about. It was realer than real than real. It was in at least six dimensions. I knew historical information that I couldn't possibly know as a six-year-old. I was seeing things, um, oh my gosh, like omnidirectional vision. So basically what happened is I remembered that I lived in, in England and the year 1905 popped up in front of me, like almost like, uh, you know, letters. And I knew I lived in a town called Derbyshire, which is in Northern England. I think it's called not the hill country, but something like the lake country. And, um, I basically, I had had some horrible trauma in my family and I had been taken away from the family for a short period of time. And in the remembrance, I was being driven back home. 
after a period of being away. So immediately I'm aware that I'm Barbara in a six-year-old body, you know, laying on my bed. I mean, I feel physically the bed. I, I know I'm me. At the same time, I'm a, like an eagle bird's eye view of a little girl who is my age. She's also six years old. I knew that. And she's being driven home by her chauffeur because she's incredibly wealthy. And she's sitting in like this British touring car, like a convertible. And she's looking at the scenery and I'm feeling like the, the spring air, you know, in my face, I can smell the flowers that she's pulling. I see her from above, like a bird's eye view while I'm also becoming her. I'm in her body now. And I'm looking around, you know, while I'm seeing her from a bird's eye view as Barbara, I also become her and I'm looking around and I see the homes, but I'm also feeling her feelings. And that was so impactful yet difficult for me because she was so sad. She was so traumatized. And I was trying to figure out what's going on with her. What's, why is she so traumatized? So finally she gets back to her home and her older sister comes out and meets her at the door and she gets out of the car. And then she remembers or is told that the reason she was taken away from the home is because her father, who was very wealthy, it was awful. He was killed, but he was stabbed to death. And her mother, who had always been very emotionally fragile, had been taken away. And, and at that time, I guess they called them. I, I don't know the proper, the, you know, politically correct term, but a facility or whatever. And, um, and then I also had a memory that flashed like 30 years later, it was the end of my life. And I, with the same deal, I was like in my late forties, I think. And I saw myself again, I was Barbara and still a six-year-old looking at this tall, willowy, really pretty blonde woman in a manor home, stately manor home. And she was on her bed, devastated. I mean, I was looking at her again from a bird's eye view. I was every, just ridiculous vision. And I also became her. And the heaviness in my heart, the despair, the loneliness, the, the fear. She had just been back from her physician who had told her she was dying of terminal lung cancer. And it was, so here I am having this, this, this memory and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm six years old. How can I know this? What am I supposed to do with this? I can't handle the feelings of a person dying. It was just incredulous to me that I had multidimensional vision. It was incredulous to me that I could be two people at once in, you know, in two, like transcending time space, right? Heightened sensors. It was amazing, but overpowering. So the next morning I, when I got up, I was perfectly fine. I wasn't wheezing. I wasn't coughing. I had no fever. My lungs felt great. I said to my mom, I want to go to school today. I'm ready. I'm, I'm perfect. I want to go to school today. She goes, no, we're not going to school until we take you to the doctor. So I went to the doctor and he said, she's fine. Like, I see no signs of like, there's, there's no bronchitis, there's no pneumonia. She's fine. She can go to school. And he goes, I don't understand how this happened. Like, this isn't, you know, this is inexplicable to me. And I'm sitting there in my little six-year-old mind going, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I know it's because I remembered how I died in my last life and it was upper respiratory. And whatever reason that I had needed until that point to hold that in my physical or etheric or astral body or energetic body, I no longer needed it. I had remembered it. I had released it. And I also had this insanely ridiculous, ridiculous fear of knives. Like really, if I would see a sharp knife as a child, I'd start sweating and shaking and I couldn't go near it. And I remember one time my mom was making dinner with a really big uh, like chopping knife, right? I ran out of the room. I couldn't even look at one. So again, when I got up the next morning, it was like, oh, a knife. Okay. Big deal. Because I had that memory of my father, unfortunately, it's, you know, not a good memory of him being stabbed to death. And again, I think it just released whatever I had been holding on to karmically, 
energetically in every different layer of body that I had. And I no longer needed to carry it in this lifetime. So between the realness, the heightened senses, the omnivision, the knowing about historical eras and periods that I could possibly have known, it was incredibly impactful. And then I was like, I get it. Spontaneous healing. (laughs) So Wow, what a fascinating story. And it reminds me a little bit too of, you know, people doing past life regressions and having those spontaneous healings um, with physical ailments because it is connected to a past life and how they died or what they suffered from in that past life. So, wow, thank you, Barbara. That was amazing. Yeah. Okay, Lynn, let's go to you. What was your most really mind-blowing paranormal experience that you have had? Well, um, first of all, it began in 2006, um, and in and, and this time, it was April of 2006, I was teaching in Carothersville, Missouri, and a lot of tornadoes ripped through our area and pretty much destroyed our school. So we were on a very prolonged spring break, and I happened to watch this um, movie called What the Bleep Dorino. I don't know if I'm familiar with that. Yeah. But, and it's, yeah, as I was watching this, it's like my whole entire paradigm just shifted. It was like, okay, this is it. You know, I always knew that they were answers of all these types of real amazing paranormal phenomena and what the belief explained that. So I started doing a lot of researching. That is when I started, you know, reading about all the authors, getting books. I started to do meditations. And I noticed that as I was um, increasing my spirituality in the meditations that the out-of-body experiences were happening even more. And at that time, even though I knew what they were, I was sort of refused to believe it because, you know, I have a very science mind and I always felt like it was a little bit too woo-woo for me. It's like extra projection, no way, you know. Um, So I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I happened to come up on one by William Buhlman. Oh, yeah. Uh, familiar master of OBEs. Yeah. Yes. And when he, every word that he said my, my, just brought chill bumps to me. It just, it was amazing because it's like he is explaining everything that's happening to me because I was experiencing extreme vibrational states where, um, and that's a prelude to an OBE. And it would be so pronounced. It's like there was a jet engine in my head. And and during this time, I remember opening my eyes and I was inches away from the ceiling. (laughs) So, um, you know, I was in an out-of-body state and I'm thinking that this is so much weirdness. So, yes, I started reading his books. I went on to his forum and I started to doing, you know, to practice controlled out-of-body experiences because that's what it's all about. So I will explain my first real out-of-body experience, controlled, because I've had so many amazing ones, but this one was, it it sort of just shook the foundation that I was on. It was very, even though it was very simple, you know, um, I did the wake back to bed technique where I, you know, went to bed. I got up about two or three o'clock in the morning, did some meditation, did some intention, and I was listening to binaural beats, which is sort of like a a sound that kind of helps you get into a meditative state. And all of a sudden, you know, here comes the vibrations. You like that? And I'm thinking, oh, it's happening. It's really, really happening. And I just sort of just set up and I stood next to my bed. And I was looking down at my body and I was laughing. It's like, this is really happening. And I put, I took my hand and I put it through my body. I touched myself laying in bed and my hand went through my body. And it's like, I felt this little tingly vibration. And I was so ecstatic. And so I was just laughing. He's saying, this is well, this is really working. I was laughing. And of course, when you really concentrate on your physical body, that's a sure sign that you're going to snap right back into it. <laughs> so boom, I was right back into my body. I opened, I opened my eyes and I was just laughing. It was like, this is, this is for real. And from then on, I, I did, you know, I practiced the 
you know, the controlled out-of-body experiences. And, you know, I've met my spirit guides. I've met other types of entities. I've been to other worlds. I've been to outer space and the moon and all kinds of amazing things. But it's been some of the most amazing experiences that have changed my life. Yeah, I would say, you know, for the very first time I met William Buhlman and, you know, he's in all three of our documentaries. Uh, um, he, yeah, like all my beliefs, it's like flown out of the water and I was like, okay, I'm going to try this now and just open up a whole new world of consciousness, you know, for me, as did your book and what you guys wrote here. Thank so. you. Yeah. So, um, so I'm going to go. Yes. William, William Buhlman is my grand poobah. Yeah, sorry. He's, no, no. He, yeah, he's what I like about his work is that it's so practical, right? It's like he gives you that step by step and, you know, just like really easy techniques. So like it doesn't have to be hard and you follow those techniques. And everybody that I know that has tried his techniques have success. That's great. And, and, and anybody who wants to learn more about them, and there's some great authors out there, but he's the one that I would definitely suggest because th that man, he rocked my world. I mean, he changed my life. He really did. He changed mine too. I, I hear that. Second it. So I, when I went through your book, I wanted to go over some concepts that were very new to me. They may not be new to my listeners, but they were new to me. And it started off right with chapter two in your book and the anomalous prone personality. So who would like to take this question? And can you kind of talk about this so my listeners can get an idea um, if they kind of fit into that? Um, yeah, I, I can answer that. I've lent had the dual major of psychology and science. And for a while, in one of my many incarnations, I was going back to graduate school for counseling, um, never matriculated. So both of us are very, very interested in psychology. And I've always been drawn to abnormal psychology. But I, what drew me to that is because, like I said before, I was a small child. I was two years old when I started having these experiences. And I did have the awareness that that wasn't normal. Do you know? I mean, I was a very small child. I was a very weird child. That, that age, I had that awareness, right? But I did. I would look at other little kids playing and I'd say, wait a minute. I like, I'm not like you. I'm having these deep thoughts and I'm meeting with spirit guides and they're, they're telling me all kinds of information and, and explaining the universe, but I should be playing with dolls. So the point is, I always knew I was different. I tried sharing some of my experiences once with my mom when I was little. And she told me in a very just completely like shut me down way. You're making it up. You're lying. You like attention. That's not true. Like stop saying these things. So I had to stifle them and I had to try to make sense of them by myself. Um, I could talk to them about my friend with my friends because they didn't get it. They thought I was weird. So as we were researching the book and, and, you know, in my reading for my dissertation, I came across Kevin Ring, Kenneth Ring, I'm sorry, um, is an NDE researcher. But he also did some research, beginning research on the personalities that are prone to having NDEs. And he found there's a very strong correlation. So I did some more research and I came across uh, a different, more comprehensive type of personality called an anomalous prone personality type. And basically what that means, anomalous could be spiritual, paranormal. It, it's, it's just a broad base for it. But what it means is it's not just people that have near-death experiences that have these personality types. It's all of us who have any of the above-mentioned uh, experiences, right? And not everybody fits into this, but most of us do. And one of the main things is our childhood, which of course is very impactful. Most of us come from very difficult childhoods. Um, there can be abuse. It can be sexual, physical, or emotional, or combination of the above. We can have witnessed one extremely traumatic event 
in our lives. We could come from a very, you know, unstable home, say one parent, you know, is an alcoholic, something like that. That's just an example. And we also have the tendency to dissociate. You know, that's just, you know, to fantasize and dissociate. But again, like I always say, well, is that really a tree or is that a psychological coping mechanism? And I've been such a difficult home, right? Because it is. So we could, I see it as sort of either or. Um, we tend to be extremely creative and imaginative. We think outside the box. Um, this, these are really good traits, but at the same time, they can make it difficult for other people to, you know, sometimes to fit in. We don't feel like we fit in with others. Um, we're very independent. We're very, we're very ethically driven. Like we have very, very strong ethics where we don't deal well with judgment or rigidity. We always tend to be introverts rather than extroverts. Um, and um, excuse me, the other thing I wanted to say is there's a subset too, which is called uh, the highly sensitive person, which is just a subset. And that means, and it doesn't just mean we're ultra sensitive, which we all know what that means. I'm sure you, you know, many of us have heard, oh, you're so sensitive. Well, we are, we're incredibly empathic. We're incredibly, uh, you know, sensitive, caring, loving people. Yeah, that's true. But it means more than that. It means we're also sensitive to the environment, to elect uh, electromagnetic fields. And so we are much more prone to feeling the effects of that. You know, sometimes it makes us feel sick. We get headaches. We have trouble processing too much um, external stimuli, uh, that kind of thing. We tend to actually have more illnesses, more operations. It sounds crazy, but we're actually sensitive to that. But on the flip side, we have an effect, our, we affect the sensitivity of electronic equipment. That could be one of the reasons I can't use my computer today. I'm When I walk by lights, they tend to flicker on and off. I blow out electronic equipment a lot. So it's, we take in the environment and it affects us physically, psychologically, physiologically, but at the same time, we can have an impact on the environment. So I found that very, very fascinating. And as Lynn and I were going through this, we're like, check, 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 check. And I don't think there was one single area that we didn't check. So we really wanted viewer, uh, viewers, well, viewers and readers to look at this and say, you know what? I felt like I was weird and I didn't fit in my whole life. But you know what? Let's reframe that. This is normal for me. This, this is non-pathological. And look at all these really cool treats that go with it. And let's flip that around from being weird and feeling like an outsider to thinking, gee, you know, maybe I can reframe and say, I'm unique. I'm going to own this. And this is really who I am. And it's a gift. Thank you. That was wonderful. And I bet you uh, the majority of the listeners are also going, check, 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 check. That's me. That's me. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Lynn, how about would you like to cover what UAPs stand for? And I tend to call UAPs. Yeah. UAP. What is that? That's unidentified aerial phenomenon. Okay. So um, I'm trying to think, why did they change it? It's kind of like a, a big, when, it, when the government started to accept or when the government started to admit that there were um, unexplained phenomenon, they wanted to change that name. So it was unidentified flying objects to unidentified aerial phenomenon because um, it kind of um, encompasses a broader range of things besides just little shiny spaceships. So, yeah, that's, that's the new thing. I prefer to call, it, call them UFOs just because that name has been around forever and people can identify more with that. So, especially with what's, what's going on lately because, you know, um, there's, 
it's, you know, it's said in the news and it's said in national news now about, you know, those recordings of the, I think they little tic-tac shaped little um, ships flying, going into the water. So yeah, um, in the UFO sales, that's, it's buzzing. It's, it's huge. And it comes a report that Congress did. And that was only, oh, a couple of weeks ago that they submitted a report. And basically they're saying, well, we don't know what this is. It is not, it's, it's nothing that the United States is doing. It's nothing that is coming from China or Russia. Cause they thought, okay, well, this could be China or Russia. So they're admitting that it's nothing of an earthly origin, yet they're still not admitting that it's a possible extraterrestrial origin. So that's sort of what's going on right now. Yeah. Why did you guys find it important to kind of cover some of this in the book? What, what were some of the highlights there? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, for one thing, you know, we were, you know, we've talked about out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, past life experiences. And in many of these, they really do have connections to um, the UAP, which is actually just not looking at UAPs. We're actually talking about contact experiences with other entities. Okay, so, you know, one thing that I really noticed, and especially with the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation, is that people who have had out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, you know, telepathy, all this kind of stuff, um, visions, um, you know, are having contact with what they believe to be extraterrestrials. And, I mean, it, it is a very commonality. It really, really is. And, you know, and that's sort of what the book is about, is that, you know, we're having these experiences, but they're interconnected, very interconnected, which is via non-local consciousness. So our consciousness is non-local, and that is the commonality that we're sharing with other types of entities, whether they be what we call non-human intelligent beings, you know, or interdimensional beings or extraterrestrials. Because, I mean, if you think that humans are able to have out-of-body experiences and all these amazing things, you know, you can imagine what a civilization can do that is millions of years ahead of us. So, yes, we are. There's so many people, you know, and that's one thing that um, I noticed because I have I have read thousands of other people's experiences because I've been on forums and a lot of Facebook groups. I've learned myself so much from other experiencers because that's how how I've learned. And many of them are having contact with extraterrestrials. So, you know, that is how that comes into. And it, it really is, because, you, know, you, you know, a lot of times it could be very scary for some people and very frightening. And, and, they, and I think, well, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why aren't they contacting, you know, the president of the United States? It's like, <laughs> it's not about that. You know, it's like, you know, we are the people who they want to contact, you know, so that's the connection with UAP. So I've had the experiences of seeing other entities and what I believe to be extraterrestrials. And I really feel like my guides and my family are from other worlds, you know, in alternate and previous lives. And Barbara has had a pretty amazing UAP um, experience also. So that's my part. <laughs> Great. And before I uh, move over to Barbara and ask her about her UAP experience, uh, Lynn, when you have met these interdimensional beings or extraterrestrials yourself, was there anything to be feared? Oh my gosh, absolutely not. Um, it's as if I've known them for millions of years it's like they're my family they're my friends um they're they're my home you know i've had so many visions of looking up in the sky and looking at the stars and seeing ships and it's like i feel like you know i'm wanting to go home that's they're my yeah i i've had absolutely no fear um 
I think that some people who don't understand what's happening, and if they maybe have had a first experience this time, there can definitely be a fear factor because it's sort of difficult to understand. And that's one of the things I've tried to help people with is trying to get over this fear because it, it is very surprising. And, you know, a, a lot of abduction scenarios can be very scary to people. And, you know, so that's one thing that I've really tried to, you know, help people with to try to help them understand why it's happened. Perfect. Thank you so much. And Barbara, I think we have time for one more story. So okay. would you like to explain your uh, you sure. experience? Sure. Um, I have the same experience with Lynn as in I had absolutely no fear. Um, I had telepathic communication in which I was told that basically mine is more a stereotypical sighting, but much more than that. I was 10 years old. I was living in Kansas at the time. It was a gorgeous spring day. We were outside, my father and I were outside doing yard work. Homes are very close together in that area. So all the neighbors were doing yard work. But they're so close. You can just go, you know, hey, how are you? So there wasn't a cloud in the sky, one of those amazing days. And, you know, I was looking down, raking, and all of a sudden it got really dark, just dark, like a very, very bad thunderstorm, right? And I couldn't understand why. And I looked up and I remember my mouth just dropped open. There was a absolutely enormous cylindrical disc that was, again, I was a kid, but in retrospect, I would say between one to two football fields. It was enormous. It was perfectly round. It was like a, a matte silver. And even though it was above me and it wasn't high, I mean, you could see it so perfectly. I would say probably maybe a quarter of a mile into the sky or less. And it just stayed, hover. And even though I, I was looking above it, I could tell that there were little like windows around the you know, circumference. And I just stared and stared. And in, I just want to say that because I had been having experiences my whole life as a child, I always knew, I never doubted there wasn't life on other, you know, planets or whatever, universities. It, it was inconceivable to me. And I had always said, oh my gosh, why are you visiting me? I want to visit. So the first thing I said is like, Oh, thank God you're here. It's about time. And then I started getting telepathic communication. And it was the most natural thing in the world. I could not see any beings in the, the craft. It was too high. What they were saying to me, and I'll never forget, they were saying to me is we came to you. We're talking to you because we know that you'll understand. We want to share two messages with you. And one of them is... To put it in easy terms, we come in peace. A lot of people don't understand us or afraid of us. And we want you to let them know that that's not so. We're just a more advanced civilization. And we're here observing you. And then they said, just like you, we'll be going to the moon and collecting lunar dust and, you know, uh, stones and rocks from the uh, moon and in examining them and studying them and observing them. That's what we're doing with you. Now, this is before we went to the moon. This was years before we collected lunar dust or rocks. I had no idea what they were talking about. I'm like, what? And they said, so just keep that in mind because this will be happening. And I was like, okay. And they said, the other thing we're concerned about is your planet. You're not taking care of your planet. You know, um, you really need to let people know. And as you go on your path, you need to be very cognizant of that. That's, that's upsetting to us. And I was just really in the groove of this conversation. Um, and the telepathy was the most normal thing in my life. It was just talking to you, you know, it was so normal. And I kept staring. I never took my eyes off the craft and then it was gone. It didn't move. It didn't accelerate. It was just gone. And I remember throwing down my rake, running over to my father and saying, dad, I understand something. That craft moved faster than the speed of light because we weren't able to see it moving. 
And it also made no noise. So that meant it traveled faster than the speed of sound. And he looked at me and said, how do you know that? You haven't learned that in school. And I hadn't, I, I, I had no idea what that was. That's like physics or something, right? But I knew, I, I guess it was just another download that they had given me. And I just want to let you know that that, that sighting has been verified, verified that Project Blue Book and it was the same day that I remember it happening. Um, and this was one of the very few cases that they couldn't disprove because, you know, they try to disprove the cases, whether it be, you know, a, a small prop plane or a weather balloon or just a false sighting. This one was verified as true. So it was so nice years later that even though I knew as sure as I know that, you know, the sun exists, that this was true. But to actually find it in the declassified government information and verified as one of the few real true sightings of that year was amazing. Yeah, that must have also just been so validating for you as well. Like, yes. not that you needed extra yes. validation, yes. but, you know, to see it in print, you know, and I'm going, oh, yeah. yes, yes. So fascinating, ladies. I am so excited we got to talk about all these personal experiences. Yeah. I know we didn't dive too much fully into, you know, the whole book, but a lot of this stuff, you know, is explained in your book, you know, um, you know, other things that we didn't kind of get to, but that I think a lot of people will be interested in for those who have had OBEs or near-death experiences is the impact that people feel. You know, you guys were able to collect a lot of data um, about, you know, people becoming interested in psychic phenomenon, feeling curious, felt like their life was changed, developing a greater awareness of reality. So like you cover a lot of stuff. And the other thing that I feel about this book is that if anyone has had um, a sighting, an experience, a paranormal experience, a near-death experience, an out-of-body experience, I feel like this book is going to help people to not feel alone. Very similar to like Robert Monroe's uh, books, you know, and you also referenced Robert Monroe's uh, information here too. It's like, you know, by him coming out and kind of talking about his out-of-body experience, all of a sudden people are like, oh my God, that happened to me. So there's something really comforting as well with also the data that you collected. And I'm sure this is kind of like the science minds, you know, that you guys have too, that this isn't just like a, oh, well, this is what we think book. This is like filled with, you know, information and good collected data and scientific research. So really, really wonderful. And um, I loved hearing your stories. And the other fascinating thing that I always am intrigued about and this is happening with your, uh, both of your stories too. You know, Barbara, with you being so young at six, you tell the story as if it happened yesterday and can still remember all of those details. Oh, every, yeah. Yeah, which I find with a lot of people that have experienced the near death, the out of body experiences, it's so different than a dream because I know that we we go into the dream state, we go out of body every single night, right? But when we come back, many times people will be like, in the first five minutes, oh, I just had this dream, but I can't recall it. Yeah, and right. the fact that OBE in end years, you know, um, and you know, even having these sightings or experiences with interdimensional beings and stuff like that, it's as if it's still happening, like right now. When mm -hmm tell these stories. Right. So I think there's also something to that too, you know. Um, so really fascinating stories, ladies. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find the book? Where can they maybe contact you or if they want to just like ask you guys questions? What What's the best place for people to get a hold of you and to pick up your book and read it? Our book's available on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. It's available at Barnes and Noble in both paperback and their version of Kindle, which is from Book Nook. Uh, it's available on some independent bookstores, the Book Depository. You can find it in a lot of places. We also, we, our hub actually for the book is our website, which is www.extraordinaryexperiences.org. And we uh, have we write prolific blogs? We touch on a lot of these subjects so that uh, readers really get a lot of information. There's a lot of information, personal experiences, and a lot of things we haven't talked about today. And also, um, upcoming events I'll be speaking at the uh, 2021 INS. Uh, 
conference that's coming up. It's going to be in September. So we have any any media, any upcoming events we've posted on there. And Lynn, do you want to talk a little bit about our free downloadable book we just added? Right, right. Yes. Um, like she said, um, our website is full of amazing um, blog articles. Uh, Barbara is a prolific writer, beautiful writer. So there's all, all kinds of great information there. But lately what we've done is we went ahead and did like a free ebook and it's also at our site. So it's about more about us. It's like, it goes into a lot of details. It's about Barbara's journey and it goes into more about her experiences and how she lived her life. And then it goes into mine and mine is particularly about um, my life through um, things that I've experienced through out-of-body experiences. So it's about like a little 42-page ebook. It's free, and it's just there if you're interested in getting to know more about stuff. So that's also at our website. Wonderful. Well, ladies, thank you. This was mind-blowing. I had so much fun. Um, and again, for our listeners, the book is Convergence, The Interconnection of Extraordinary Experiences, Barbara Mango and Lynn Miller. Google it, buy it, read it, go to the website, support it. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. And um, we will talk to you guys next time. Linda and Barbara, thank you again for being on the Path 11 podcast. Thank you so much. This was so Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial and start streaming over 100 hours of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com, and be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path11TV today. Bye for now.